0: three of the Christmas series we're into called Gifts from the Father, and we're talking about the robe, the ring, and the sandals. The series came from the truth stated in the scripture that God is our Heavenly Father who delights in giving gifts. And that's in Matthew 7 11, Jesus himself said if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children How much more do you think your heavenly father wants to give good gifts to those who ask? So how we handle those gifts What we do with those gifts if we will even receive those gifts It's our choice and it's our responsibility. With every gift given, there's a responsibility that goes along with it. Um, So turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 15. We've read this. um, It's called the prodigal son. It's a story that Jesus told uh, of a lost son. And starting in verse 11. Says there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, There was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country. And he began, oh, he hired himself out to the citizen of that country who sent him out to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your hired men. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine who was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. The story of the prodigal son, or the lost son, shows three gifts that was given to him when he returned home. The first week we focused on that first gift, which was the robe. And having the best robe placed on him, the father was telling the prodigal, as well as all observers, that his position as son was being restored. He was not a slave. He was not a disgraced runaway. He is a son returned home. This robe is that gift of salvation, that restoration, his righteousness that covered all his sin. Your responsibility in wearing this robe is sharing that same love and that same forgiveness to everyone. Last week, we focused on the second gift of the father, that ring, that signet ring. So what is the giving of a ring? It is the granting of authority to a person. Whoever has such a signet ring has the power and authority of his master. He has his master's authority to make decisions and to govern his master's kingdom, property, and possessions. And when the father places the ring on the hand of his son, he not only welcomes him back as son, which that's what that robe symbolized, but he also welcomes him back with all authority. That authority given to us in this ring carries the responsibility of an ambassador, one who represents the king, and as an apostle, one who reproduces. The kingdom wherever he goes. This week we're going to look at that third gift from the father. The sandals. The sandals. Again in verse 22 it says the father said to his servants quick bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Forgiveness would be empty without restoration to privileges forfeited by sin. Therefore, if you bear the name of a son or daughter, through having received Jesus as your Lord and Savior by the power of the Holy Spirit, you have found favor with the Father. That best robe has been placed upon you, a demonstration of the Father's complete approval of you and love for you. The ring has been put on your hand, representing the riches you have in Christ. The authority you've been given in the name of Jesus. We've been put in a place, actually, it's called the installation into the office of a king and a priest. And sandals have been put on your feet, affirming sonship with all of its benefits, unlimited access into the Father's presence. And unlimited resources to complete every work that he set out for you to do. The sandals, much more than just shoes, and I like shoes. It's much more than just somebody look. See how pretty it is? Kind of like what we talked about the ring. The robe, remember when we talked about the robe? It wasn't just to cover our nakedness, right? It was a display of his splendor. All of his glory, all of his wonder, and all of the universe is found in that robe that he places on you. We are the display of his splendor wherever we go. The authority, his authority we carry in our hands. Did you notice that? And then wherever our feet goes, it's the readiness of the gospel. The taking back of, if you want to say, expansion of his kingdom wherever we go. The standal stating that you no longer are an exile, but your home. You are no visitor in the home. This is where you belong as a son and an heir. All in this home is all yours. Think about that. Much like coming home and and putting on your slippers. You know, if I go over to Dale and Betty's home, they're not going to have slippers there for me. Even though that would be nice. I wear a size six and a half, please. The fluffier, the better. I like fluffy. Right? So when I go to their house, even if I kick my sandals off at the door, I'm going to tiptoe around there. I mean, isn't that what you do when you walk into somebody's house? What do you immediately think about? Your shoes. You do, don't you? Do I take off my shoes? Do I leave on my shoes? And what's the first thing your guests say to you or the, the host of the home say to you? They address your shoes, right? Wouldn't it be awesome if every house you stepped into, they go, oh, your slippers, then they're right here. Go ahead, slip into your comfy slippers. Wouldn't that be nice? Come on, can we just propagate that right now? Let's just do that. I know, right? Because the minute you put those, you kick off those sandals, those dirty, weathered, you've been out in the world, they could be muddy, right? They're not very comfortable, or even when they are, it's still what's better than taking off those and putting on those slippers. There's nothing better unless it's a hot day than just let them go naked, you know, right? Well, even when it's December, nine days away from Christmas, I like to see naked toes once in a while, not yours. I don't want to see yours. But to kick off those shoes, I mean, like Moses did when he was getting close to the presence of God in that burning bush. What, did it, what, were, what was the instructions? <clears throat> oh, come on. That could preach all alone. Why? You don't need those shoes on when you come close to me. Kick those suckers off and come running into my presence. Crawl up here on my lap. Can you see it? So like the sandals he's talking about are are like when you step into his presence. I, I don't care if you want to think slippers because you don't want to see your naked toes or you just see absolutely kicking off those sandals and going barefoot running up to the father. That's what he's saying. Come on home. Come on. He's putting sandals on his feet. In the old world, what we're looking at here. It was as significant as the ring was on his finger and the robe was placed on his shoulders was the sandals of his feet. Was ownership of. That it placed not only. Listen. It connected not only the son to the father. It connected the father to the son. It showed that the father had a responsibility to the son. With the shoes that he placed on him. Dave Schneider just shared with me, it was on, um, at the harvest party, him and I was sitting at a table just um, just eating. Anyway, and he shared, I don't know where he had just learned it, but um, that in the old days that you could almost write off your biological kid if they went wayward, but you couldn't and adopted It was illegal to write them off. You still bared a responsibility to them. Yeah, that one would preach by itself too. We are all adopted sons and daughters into the kingdom. That responsibility for the sandals is both twofold. He shares he's going to stay linked to you. In those sandals he's placed on your feet. He'll go with you wherever you go. And our responsibility in wearing the sandals, carrying his authority, carrying his robe of righteousness, is to go. Because he's going with us. You see that? The sandals are twofold responsibility. They show both ownership of the father to the son. And the son's willingness uh, can I say to be owned? <laughs> to be owned of the Father. The much like coming home and putting on your slippers, it signifies comfort in the home that you have complete access to come in, go out whenever you wish. And I mean, there's a I, I could preach on that forever too. That it's not just for us to go into his presence and then cozy up on his lap and stay there and, you know, let the world go to hell in a handbasket, as my grandma used to say. But we have the right, the privilege, and the responsibility to go in and go out. To come in and go out. It's twofold. Come in and go out whenever we wish. A child needs not wonder. Worry or fear that the father would ever make them feel unwelcome in his home Quite the contrary the father keeps his doorway at his doorway the son's slippers To welcome him in Whenever he wishes But not to stay there I mean Come on, have you, you've seen the National Geographic stories of the the mother birds that's teaching the baby birds how to fly. It's not a pretty sight. When they get to that age, it's like, okay, you're old enough. Goodbye. One of those birds, I can't remember which one it was when I was, they actually start, the mother starts picking apart the nest so they'll just fall out. If they don't jump, they're just going to fall out. The nest disappears. Because it's time. You can't just always stay on the Father's lap in his presence. You have a responsibility to come in, get what you need, fill up, and go out. Come in and go out. Slippers and sandals. Or you can just, I mean, throw out the sandals and just go barefoot. I'm okay with that too. Think about this. In the Father's presence, in that throne room as Pastor Neil. Um, Was saying dwells all Wisdom All wisdom Perfect love unlimited Forgiveness mercy Grace And unlimited resources In his intimate Presence is everything You need And the world needs There's nowhere else You can get everything you need Paul knew this when he stated in, uh, I think it's, did I write it down somewhere? Yeah, Ephesians chapter 1, where he said, I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. is that crazy? What? You think that it would be like oh, wisdom and revelation to know him better. He knew that there was nothing else in this world that's going to help you more than just knowing the father better. You can study, study, study. You can memorize, memorize, memorize. But until it leads you to knowing him better, it will gain you nothing. I mean, think about that. There was, in Acts, when the disciples were sharing the gospel, the testimony of what they had seen and heard, it said even priests were coming to the Lord. Priests. The ones that knew the law. The ones that knew the word, right? They know it. They're preaching it. They're the priests. They're the ones going before God, yet they were realizing all the wisdom that they had, all the knowledge that they had meant nothing apart from knowing him. All the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom in Revelation, so that you'll know him better. Otherwise, you'll come into his house, even into the church, even into your closet, your intimate place. When you sit down with your cup of coffee and open the Bible in the morning, you're kind of like, (sighs) <sighs> oh, um, all right, I'll just read I'll get this done Okay, I'll keep watching my. Well, if you watch my watch It's only quarter after five I know I'm still wearing it And haven't fixed it yet Pray for the resurrection life To come back into my watch But you'll look at the clock And okay, you know, every Sunday I'll do an hour and a half And I'll be good You'll gain nothing Unless it all leads you to know him better. I mean, to come into a house, put on the slippers, crawl up into the lap of the father. And I mean, I used to love it when my dad would tell me stories about his life when he was in the Navy or, or growing up and you know, some of his adventures. I loved hearing all that stuff. Why? Because I wanted to know him better. That's God's always doing. Come in, come in. The, the message this morning was come in, come in, come in. I told you before, my favorite Christmas story is the Christmas story. Isn't that what? Christmas Carol? Is it called the Christmas Carol? With the, the big fat guy. That says, come in and know me better, man. Right? I love it. Charles Dickens wrote all that. Wasn't it Charles Dixon? Dixon. Okay. He wrote all that symbolistic, if I can use that word. It's my own definition. It was all symbolic of Jesus. Of God. He was quite the, the Christian man. That was trying to get the message out. And in that come in and know me better man. What was that that spirit setting upon? Multiple gifts. It was a a plethora of foods and and cornucopias and, and gifts of all sort. And he set upon it. And he was the jolliest one of all, right? Come in and know me better man. Can you just hear the father saying that? Come in and know me better. Come in and know me. Come closer and get to know me. He wants us to be so close with him that we leave smelling like him. I mean, I have to say, there was this older guy at the church where I grew up that I just knew that it would be if if there was such a thing. You know how the jokes always go that Peter's standing at the gate and he'll welcome those coming into heaven, that uh, Chuck would be on this side, okay? And and that Peter would be on this side because that grandpa, he just knew everything and he was the one that would be welcoming people in. But he always smelt like anointing oil because he was always praying. And I loved it because he would always hug you. He, he had those hugs, but you'd walk away smelling like anointing oil. That's the Father's heart. Don't just come into the house and sit on the edge of the couch and feel like you're not welcome here. Come in and know me better. The sandals also, like I said, are twofold to go out. When we come in, it's to fill up. It's to smell like. It's to get close to. It's to rub off, for him to rub off on us and then go out. To put those sandals on and to go out. Part of the armor of God is listed in Ephesians 6. It's those sandals. We're fitted with the readiness that comes. From the gospel of peace. Who is the gospel? Jesus. Who's the prince of peace? Jesus. The sandals are fitted With the readiness to go out and carry the gospel of peace, 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 peace. If I could sing, I would sing peace like a river right now. It was just coming to my lips and then I'm like, don't do that. You are not fitted to share the gospel, to carry this gospel, if you haven't been sitting with the Prince of Peace. You can't carry his peace if you haven't been sitting with him. He fills you. He equips you to carry that peace. And he says, my peace I give you. Well, you can't get it if you can't come and sit with him. The sandals gives us unlimited access into extreme intimacy with the father. And then it equips us to go out expanding that kingdom. Everywhere, bringing heaven to earth, everywhere we put our foot. There is no place that an adopted son or daughter of the king doesn't belong. Let that sink in a minute. Is there anything off limits to God. Jesus himself even went down into hell. Well, did he knock first? He don't have to knock. It's all his. Everything is his. In heaven, above the earth, and it even says below the earth, all of it bows at his name. As his son or his daughter wearing His robe of righteousness. His authority in my hands. Fitted with the sandals that gives me authority wherever I go to speak his peace. Jesus, 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 Jesus. There's nowhere that I can't go. And he's not already there. I love that the whole idea of the sandals is that he partners. He gives himself to us as we give ourselves to him. See, the, the son had to come home. The gifts were already there. The adoption certificate was already signed. But he had to come and receive it. And as soon as he received it, then the father said, I am yours and you are mine. That's that's signified by the sandals on the feet. It was that ownership of. You've come home and I take ownership. I partner with you. I mean, just is the Bible starting all those scripture verses you learned in Sunday school or you've heard over the, you know, however long. Are they all starting to pop open in your mind right now? To think about, oh, draw near to God. He draws near to me. But Jesus said, go into all the world. Preach the gospel wherever you go. And what is was his promise? I'll be with you. The Old Testament says that you'll go. And as you go, there will be a voice behind you saying all the time, go to left, go to the right. He's the voice behind you directing you. It's that partnership, that you're not out there alone trying to do this on your own. That's the best ploy. I can't, I can't, I can't think it because it's a facade. You're never alone. It's a facade to think you are alone. Yeah, there's times in your life, and like I mentioned earlier, there's somebody or some people that are sitting here today that you feel like that's you. You just described what I'm going through right now, that I'm all alone, like in this tunnel, and, you know, darkness has surrounded me. It's a facade. There's nowhere you can go that God's not already there. I mean, David proclaimed that when he said, where can I hide from you? you know even if i go to the deepest darkest you know grave you're already there it's a facade but it's so real when you're going through it you think that that's it that's the only reality you can see is that you're all alone it, it's a it, it's a weight that the enemy wants to put you on that will draw you away See, it's a it's a facade, but it's also a hook of the enemy. And when you bite onto that, he has that hook in you and he'll pull you away because you'll find healing, you'll find hope, you'll find restoration at the home. He can't go into the home and pluck you out, but he, he can throw out those little lines and those little hooks. And if you bite into him, he's got you. And he'll pull you back. Because if he can get you away, now all of a sudden you look around. See, I knew it was true. Look at me. I'm all alone. Where's my help? You know, where's my friends? How come I'm doing this? Oh, it's because you bit the hook. In Ephesians 2... And I know the life groups have been going through Ephesians. So I'm sure you're past chapter 2. But I want to show you this is, you'll find yourself the prodigal son, the same story. Let me show you. It's in Ephesians. Ephesians 2, starting with verse 1. As for you, who's you? You, you, you. Yeah, I like that. Hello, me. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. Sure sounds like we've all run away. At one time or another, we were all prodigals. You could be sitting here today and be a prodigal. Where your, your body keeps coming to church, but your spirit is still way out there in the world. We've all been there. We've all ran after our own needs, our own passions, trying to pacify our own soul. Verse, uh, sorry, Verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time. There it is. Craving, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Verse 4, I love this. "But, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Sounds like while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The prodigal's forgiveness, like I mentioned, was already sealed in a gift waiting for him at the father's house. But all he had to do is come home to receive it. Verse six, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The welcome home. There it is. Soon as the son comes to his senses, comes home, receives that gift, the father scoops him up in his arms, holds him tight, kisses him, carries him into the house, and seats him with Christ right beside him. The welcome home in order. So that, I love those, there's a reason for it. So that he can then, when you put those sandals out and you go outside of his home, he can show you off. As his prized possession, redeemed, restored, the splendor and glory of all his majesty on you as you go. He wants to show you off. Look at unmerited favor, unlimited forgiveness, unlimited mercy and grace, extreme love all over you. And he wants to show you off to the world. Hey, where'd I go? Get back here. Verse eight. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. This gift. If you had to earn the gift, it would just be a salary, (laughs) not like green salary, like a salary. Am I saying that better? Be something you earn. Good for you. Pat on the back. Here's your paycheck. But it's a gift of grace. Unearned. You didn't deserve it. You came back home. Still stained with the sin of the world. Empty handed. Did he not come home empty handed? Probably stinking still of the pigs. Right? Right? Hungry. It says he was so hungry and yet nobody fed him anything. And everything he wanted was opened up and needed. Not just wanted. Everything he needed, everything he wanted, and all the world would need through him, that son, that daughter, was found in that one gift. And all he had to do is open up his arms and take it. Verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. There's the why. To do. To do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Why would he give us this gift of extreme forgiveness, extreme love, extreme grace, extreme favor, extreme intimacy with him? So that we can be equipped to do all he's called us to do. That display of his glory, that showing off. Everything we need, everything that the world needs, right, is found in God. Yet it's carried to them through us. That's our responsibility. We're fully equipped to do all he's prepared in advance for us to do. He has not called you to do anything. He has not already equipped you and resourced you to do. How can I do that? You can't. He can. Well, God's asking me to go. How can I? You can't, but he can. I think about that all the time when when I'm getting ready to close a, a service and the Pianist comes back to the keyboard at that time. and I get ready to open up the altars and start thinking about how God wants to show his glory through healing, through setting people free, restoring, calling them home. Lord, who am I? (laughs) Who, Who am I to do that? Who's Pastor Neil. He's better at that. You know, I'll I'll just cower back here like William Seymour so that you don't look at me, you just look at God. I'm with him. I'd be better equipped hiding behind the milk crates that they they used to use as a podium. Because all of a sudden the reality hits. Oh my, I can't do that. No, I can't. Now I'm starting to celebrate in those moments. Because if it was on me, we'd all be in trouble. I can't do anything. You can't do anything apart from him. Right, Christy? We can't do anything. So we get to sit back and watch him do things through us. I get to celebrate those things like Paul said. Your grace is sufficient, right? You heard that one? It doesn't It has nothing to do with us. When we start laying hands on people and praying for people and believing with you and some people, you've already been healed while we were preaching this message. You just need to check it out right now. If it was that pain in your back, do something. Prove that. Oh, that, you know what? I haven't felt that pain. person that's been in that dark tunnel before we started preaching you could see no light now all of a sudden there's cracks in this tunnel and you're starting to see light shine through why? because I preached a good message? no because God's big, God's good and God partners with there's that ownership of he placed the sandals on our feet and says wherever you go I'll be So when we pray for you, when we lay hands on you, when you lay hands on yourself, oh, this is going to get real personal. I was walking around yesterday into Myers, and my one left ankle, for some reason, I kept stomping it out. I said, I'm sick of this. I mean, I was going, oh, what is that? Oh, Brian's like, take authority over that thing. I'm like, yes, in Jesus' name. I was listening to a message while I was getting ready this morning. And the person called out, there's somebody in here today who has a, the, the pain in their left ankle while I'm in the shower. And I'm like, that's me. I don't know. I think it was around Thanksgiving time this message was preached. And I was just listening to it. He's like, lay hands on your." I'm like, in Jesus' name. Serious. No pain. Why, do you think God is limited by space, by time? No, not at all. Somebody could be listening to this message that I'm preaching right now, three years from now, and sitting there the whole time during this message thinking, I'm the one that's in that tunnel. God transcends time. He transcends space. He sets upon it all. He sees the past, the present, and the future all as one. that be? I don't know. Isn't it awesome? I don't know. Isn't it awesome you don't know? He's far bigger than you could ever imagine. He's far grander than the earth, the universe, can even try to contain. So your pain is minute in his sight, but humongous in his heart. That's why, as a father, he stands at the door of the house calling your name home. Come on. You don't need to be hungry any longer. Come on. You don't need to be in pain. You don't need to be in need any longer. Come home. Come home. It's time to come home. It wasn't enough for that prodigal when he finally came to his senses to just Remember, he recited, okay, so I'm going to go home and I'm going to say, Father, you know, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. Wasn't enough for him to just say those words in his heart. He had to also go to the Father. He had to repent and do. Some of us today, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to not only come to your sense and senses and realize you have been wandering way too long and it's time to come home but there's some of you, listen that have been sitting on the father's lap way too long and it's time for you to leave the home (laughs) put your big boy pants on and your sandals and go out in the world Yes, daily, come back into the home, crawl up on his lap and have those times. But there's a coming in and a going out, that responsibility. And if you've been sitting inside too long, you need to repent because it's time to put on your sandals and go out. Repentance. And do, do, come on, do this, do this, do this said, so those who love me will do what I command. Do. It's time to do. All right, next week we'll wrap up this Christmas series. No, the prodigal son story's not over. So I don't know. It was a robe, the ring, and sandals. Yes, oh, no. There's still one more part of the story I'll share with you next week, which remember, next week is a one service. So 10 a.m. So if you're, well, you're all first service people. So go ahead and be early. I'm okay with that. Come in at 9 and just worship, right, Amy? Right through your practice? Yeah, she's like, yeah, that's good. We're good with that. If you thought, oh, I'll catch second service next week, don't do that. 10 o'clock no kids ministry the nursery will be open but we'll all be in here so let's do this would you stand we're going to open the altars and those two that we called out even at the beginning of the message if that was you either one of those I need you up front right away we're going to get people right around you and um, believe for healing and for I think that just is a restoration of freedom from um, that, that darkness that you feel like You're all alone Alright uh, But I would be amiss if I didn't ask Before we go um, you, You're wandering You've been gone too long It's time for you to come home today And give your heart uh, back to the Lord Or to the Lord for the first time If that's you would you just raise your hands So I can pray with you I know you're like Why are we bowing our head and closing our eyes because God's watching anyway. What's it matter? says, don't be ashamed of me before men. Because if you are ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. Do you really want to come before the Father in heaven on the, on the throne room day that you have to give an account? And him say, I, I didn't know that one. No, so don't be ashamed of him before men. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand? It's time for you to come home. Or maybe, like I said, you've been in the home too long and you need to repent and say, it's time for me to go out. I, I need help. I need power. I feel like I'm ill-equipped. I feel like I'm I'm less than able to be able to go out. You You're struggling with that going out part. If that's you, would you raise your hand and we want to pray with you. Was there anybody in here that that was your pain in the back that I talked about, whether it's there now or or not? Was that you? Was that you? Who was it? Could have just been me because that pain's gone. The minute I spoke it out before the beginning or at the beginning of this message, that pain's been gone since I talked about it. All right, I'll take it it was just for me? Oh, you think it was, you think you know who it was for? Oh, okay. Well, it's was for me too, so don't take that from me, because that pain's been gone. I'm good with that too. What about the tunnel? Was that anybody? That tunnel, you're all alone? See it. I see it. I see it. Yep, I see it. All right, let's do this. Let's, as a family, come on, let's come up to the front. Uh, Whoever you end up beside just ask them can I pray with you about something even if you're one who needs prayer Go ahead tap somebody on the shoulder. What do you need prayer about? What can I pray with you for? Find somebody find somebody come on. What do you need prayer for? Let's talk to each other. Come on.